Hello and welcome to The Leap of Faith. Music there from Victoria Johnston, her debut single called Tharlam, shortlisted for the Grammy Awards last year for Song of the Year. She'll be joined later by Scott McKeown from the group Whitestone Receivers when they both perform live for us here in the studio, and we'll talk about the part music plays in their Christian faith. But first, Father Alan Hilliard is Coordinator of Pastoral Care and Chaplaincy Service at TU Dublin. He's also an author and he joins me now. Alan, welcome back to the programme. Your previous books, Dipping into Lent, Dipping into Advent, and now you're dipping into life. What happened? <laughs> well, life is bigger than Advent and Lent. And people who read the first two books said, you know, Alan, a lot of what you say could be applied to every day, not just Lent or Advent. And so I said, yeah, well, maybe I'll do a broader scope and talk about dipping into life. There's a subtitle on it which actually intrigues me as well, which is the idea of people who are dealing with faith that's a, a little bit fragile. After the last 15 months or so, there's a few people out there with a fragile faith. Well, maybe starting with the author. <laughs> you know, um, like faith is not something that you're ever 100% certain of. There's moments when you feel it falls right, but there's a fragility about faith. Um, I mean, I'm a priest 35 years this week. A lot of people that would have been jumping for joy at my ordination now scratch their head and wonder what they believe in, you know. Um, and I, I, coming through in, in people's conversations as well is, you know, I've moved on from the institution, but because I have, there's something missing and I don't know what to do about it. Nearly like a creed occur. And I find, I find with this book, the feedback I've got from this series, this could be the last one of the three, um, that people just like the fact they can dip into it. And I think there's something about a freedom in that. Um, in our life, in our journey of life, there's things that happen that make us dip into the world of the soul. That sometimes we're brought into it by the experience. And I, I suppose what I'm trying to do is just help people to feel comfortable enough to dip into their soul. And maybe there's a moment when you're in the middle of something and you have what Eric Vogel called an aha experience that it might be the breath of God just nudging you and nurturing you and telling you to pause a bit and think a bit deeper. And that's that, that sort of, that, that's where the fragile thing comes. There's nothing wrong with fragility. If you look back at it, I mean, I heard somebody say at one stage, you know, we've all had enough banana bread and, and a lot of people distracted themselves over the last period of time. Um, did you distract yourself or, you know, what, what, what was your strategy? Um, I made chutney. <laughs> I do an apple tree in the back garden and there's only so many apple tarts you can make. Um, and I, I, I got uh, jars of chutney. They became Christmas presents and now people want them next year. So I have to, I have to find time to make more chutney. Um, I, I walked every night. Um, I walked um, and that was part of, you know, my, my being well. Hmm. Um, I've had a lot of things happen this year, a lot of grief. Mam, dad and my brother died within a period of 20 months. My brother passed away in October after uh, six months. Six months of leukaemia. And it was a heart. Mm. 
Alan, what does that do for mm. for a man who has, as you said, your your life looking working with prisoners, working with immigrants, working with students, and all of those people at different times will have had requirements of you. Yeah, yeah. And now you actually have a few requirements yourself. Absolutely, and you know when you're when you're out walking, and and your question was about, you know, during COVID, was I, mm. I, I found myself at one period of time that because I was doing Zoom and because I was doing um, phone and there was one day last week where on my phone was a Zoom call, no, a, a Teams call, a WhatsApp call mm. and a phone call at the same time. Mm. I found myself in early COVID that there was a few days I noticed my mind was jumping. My, my I couldn't focus. I was... I couldn't pay attention to anything that my attention was being dragged by all these um, gadgets. And that's why I decided to, 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 to walk every night. Mm. And I walked, um, I walked the bull wall every night. And in some senses now that summer and people are down there, I'm a bit, God, it's too many people. It's too many people. Yeah. But, but it was, it was, it was something about um, the senses and, and checking in how I am and mm. listening to the birds and, and listen, seeing the tide come in and out and hearing the cry of the curlew and the oyster catcher and just saying, how am I? Because I think before God, that's where God starts, is how I am. And there were times, you know, like when, you're, when you've lost a family home this year, your mm. brothers died, your mum and dad died in the last year and a half. You, to say, you do have to start with how you are. And sometimes that's an awful place. And sometimes in this book, yeah, some of the places I write from are really hard places but what's wrong with that if God loves us he loves every bit of us even the bits that that are all over the place um, that are the mistakes we make in, in our own lives and mistakes we make with people I actually have something in there on confession which is unusual mm. to write about these days mm. and see it written about and I leave the people's curiosity to find it if they want to read it but but but, but like yeah What's wrong? What's wrong with fragility? But at the same time, paying attention to myself and realise I couldn't pay attention meant I had to develop a strategy that I could hear myself and hear my soul and hear my heart and reflect. I'm thinking about, you know, your formation as a priest, your time as a priest gave you a great tool bag, a kit of things that you could do for other people. Mm. Are you using any of them for yourself? Yeah, well, totally. I mean, I love... I love the office. Every morning I love my morning prayer. I, as Sister Stan asked me to write a page on where I find peace and I took mm. a photograph of my seat at my window where I have my breviary beside me. And every morning on Twitter I put up a photograph or a line from the Sam. Because the Sams are every human emotion. We're talking about your book, Dipping Into Life. And as I say, when you open the book, you've got uh, single words with a hashtag in front of them. V- very modern altogether. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hashtag God. Hashtag God. Yes, let me look at that because sometimes these things are written. Yeah, do you know where that came from? When you're writing a book about religion, why not talk about God? I was given a talk out in a deanery a, f- a few years ago and there was a session I was given on, I think it was one of the books I wrote. And I went back in the afternoon and there was a lady in the same seat. And I said, I think you're in the wrong room because... Um, you know, I, I gave this talk and you're, you know, she said, no, I know you're, you're giving the same talk again. I know. I said, I said, but there's other talks on. She says, I know. I, I said, do you mind me asking? I'm just curious. Why are you here again? Because she says, because you're the only person talking about God. 
And you know, sometimes we go to church things and just talks about synods and just talks about pastoral councils and and nobody's talking about God. And you know, it's so I, I just wrote this about God that I believe in God as a force that holds me. And what's wrong with that? Um Read the next sentence. I believe in God. I believe in a force that holds me in cupped hands, especially when things are against me. The world can be my enemy and God's at the same time. The first thing that ever existed according to our Bible was not darkness or light. It was chaos and it was God who tamed it. This work continues today as it did in the beginning. And yes, indeed, sometimes it appears to be futile. Chaos may appear to reign supreme. But in the still silence of God, there is always an order. There has to be, as love brings with it, an order that rises above chaos. Love can be present strongly among people in the most tumble-down house, and love can be present in the most tumble-down world. It holds things together, even if there is a real fear that everything could fall apart in one swift moment. Alan Hilliard, thank you for joining us. Alan's book, Dipping into Life, 40 Reflections for a Fragile Faith, from Messenger Publications, is launched on Monday next. Music from Scott McKeown and the Whitestone Receivers, and we'll be discovering more about that intriguing name for a band in a moment. Well, Scott and Victoria Johnston, who I mentioned earlier, was shortlisted for the Grammys last year for her song Tharlam, which we heard at the start of the show, are in the studio sitting in front of me, and you're both very welcome. Victoria, I'm going to turn to you first. You have a classical influence in your music. Before we start looking at the Christian influence, tell me about that. Yeah, so I began my classical musical training um, at the age of nine and then did a degree in uh, classical composition training. So I have to be influenced somewhere (laughs) along the lines in terms of my songwriting and composing now. Um, Yeah, so that's, that's a bit about me. And let's not be shy for a moment, a Grammy nomination as well. Uh, Grammy shortlisting, yeah, for Song of the Year and Contemporary Christian Music Song of the Year um, this year. So, um, yeah, still overwhelming to kind of mm. consider that. And obviously with the pandemic, I wasn't able to go over to L.A., um, but yeah, just to make the shortlist, you know, with Billie Eilish, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Dolly Parton, you mm. know, um, just just really incredible with my debut singles. OK, I want to dig in a little bit to the idea with the classical music background, you'll know the influences of, of the church and of faith in classical music and, and, and go all the way back to Bach if we want to. Mm-hmm. When did you find an influence in your music as a result of your faith? Um, well, actually, my earliest introduction to music was my mum playing and singing hymns at the piano. So they were the first songs I ever learnt. And I would have been in the junior choir in um, church and then in college sang with the chapel choir in Trinity. So, but really um, it was Christian and hymn music that was my earliest musical grounding. What defines Christian music then, if we're going to talk about it as a a specific genre? Um, I suppose it's the lyrical content anyway. Um, Yeah, as a genre, I suppose it does have influences in terms of chordal changes that you would see with Bach and Mozart and that type of thing. But um, then I, I write anything that has, you know, like pop chord changes yeah. and everything in between. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> you started the chat about chords. Let me go there for a second. Uh, are there religious chords? Is there a particular... <laughs> Scott McEwan's with us as well. Scott, we'll bring you in on this conversation that, that we've just been talking there about the idea that there's a, a religious sound to a piece of music. How did I trigger you when I said that? <laughs> I guess I guess it's more. I think chords, lyrics, everything. I think 
for me, Christian music, if you want to call it that, comes from, I guess, heart and, and view on on worship and worship in God. Mm. And, and so is there is there that, you know, great spiritual chord? I'd say every chord is spiritual when it's played from a heart of worship. Yeah, I get that sense from you and your music that you're owning the whole lot and God is in in the whole lot. Yeah. I was listening with a smile on my face to Victoria. My uh, first uh, encounters with music was pretty much uh, death metal uh, and, and hard rock. Um, I got into music through our school band, and my intentions for picking up the guitar or getting into music were not were not mm. wholly uh, God focused. Let's say it, it was uh, <laughs> to attract members of the opposite gender. Did it so, work? Uh, no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to burst any bubbles out, out there, folks. But that said, with with the idea of the going from one genre to the other, and I suppose there's a question for both of you: When does God manifest Himself in your music? Uh, will I go first? Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, I'm just kind of like God's the ultimate creator, and I'm blessed enough to be His co-creator. And I really feel that that just, you know, when I sit down to write something, I don't sit down with an agenda. I don't sit down, and I'm not focused on writing one genre or another genre um, or a certain chord, you know, um, Mm. I just literally write what flows out of me. Scott, where does yours come from? Um, I suppose when I started writing music, um, it wasn't even necessarily what I was thinking, like like Christian music in that sense. It was just, um, you know, life experiences, what I'd see God do in my life. It was conversations with people about God or even when when I became a Christian, I was around 14, 15. So I was at like high school um, mm. and even talking to friends about that and different types of responses to, you know, yeah. I guess, I say very different coming from, you know, playing in the school band, you know, hard metal, rock and roll to like in that time, you're going back a few years now, Michael, um, <laughs> you know, it was seen if you're doing like rock and roll music is from the devil, you know. Mm, that, the devil's own music. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so there was a bit of like, I, I felt like I, I kind of distanced myself from music a lot. Why? Because it was kind of sorting that out. But I knew, like, like Victoria was saying, there was definite God had given me something. And before I became a Christian, I was using it for my own agenda and my own purposes. But then when I became a Christian, I realised God wants to use that and channel that. I'm wondering for, for you both, is it a prayer? Are you praying when you when you perform? Um, yeah, Victoria. certainly. Well, certainly before I perform, I grind myself in prayer. And for me, I'm singing to God, you know, that kind of way, because that's who I'm worshipping through the song. And mm. I kind of hope by doing that, that something will resonate in the listener too. What what are we listening for in this song? In Land of Hope. Mm. Um, in terms of its message, um, Christians and non-Christians, I think, can take something from it. You know, you know for non-Christians, I think um, it's really just about through the darkest time, there is always hope to cling to. And I think during the pandemic, when I wrote this song, uh, there was a real sense of despair. And um, I've had a lot of non-Christian friends say that this song for them really just exuded um, upbeat hope. Um, But then for Christians, there is a kind of a message of heaven in the song and um, that we're never alone. And, you know, if someone passes away... um, that they that they've gone to heaven. So I think it can be interpreted a few different ways, which is great. Victoria, a beautiful performance there. Thank you. And exciting for us as well to hear live music again after a long period of time. You like U2 music as well, I believe. 
I love YouTube music. Yeah, that was, um, I'm kind of chatting my age. Um, Beautiful Day was the first U2 song I ever heard um, as a child. That was my first introduction to them. And it just blew my mind that this mm. was an Irish group um, where Christian ethos is, you know, very influential in their music. And um, for to see them with such international success and making waves as well in mainstream market, um, I found really inspirational as a kid anyway. Now, of course, there's another little coincidence, and that is neither of you have actually had a chance to work together, but here you are in a studio together this evening. What might come of this? Uh, well, I've been chatting to Scott um, when I think his song is just absolutely fantastic and it really nearly immersed myself in nearly being in a Nashville studio um, tonight hearing that. And I would love to, you know, collaborate in nearly a, a country folk um, style song. I know that uh, Zach Williams and Dolly Parton's duet uh, won, of course, the Christian Contemporary Music Song of the Year at the Grammys, and I would love to do maybe a cover of that with you. As long as I'm, as long as I get to be Dolly Parton, that's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for my ten percent for bringing you two together here on this one. But uh, Scott, what what is the future? Because you've a band as well, which I really want to just touch on very quickly, because the name is intriguing. Whitestone Receivers. Yeah, Book of Revelations. That's that's right. Yes, Revelation. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 17 where it talks about those who overcome in Christ so it's it's a passage that's, that where Jesus is talking to seven churches um, mm. uh, in Revelation and basically the line is um, those who overcome so those who journey all the way who keep the faith right to the end um, at the end we'll get this white stone that represents purity and on that white stone I have a name I don't know that name yet only God knows that name you know those who knows who trust trust in Jesus will, will have that and I just love that concept as, as a band You can play for us now because we're going to hear your live acoustic version of Thank You Jesus performed for us this evening by Scott McKeown Thank you, Jesus, performed for us live this evening by Scott McKeown. Scott, thank you. It's lovely. I suppose for both of you at this stage, um, is Ireland too small now or do you have to go abroad elsewhere to get the best from what's out there? Uh, my heart is definitely for Ireland. Um, although, you know, a few people have commented the sounds sort of very quite Amer- American mm-hmm. kind of sound, but that's always just been in my music. But, you know, there, there's there's a song on the EP called uh, Heal Our Land that was mm. kind of written as a prayer for Ireland. Um, in some ways, maybe I should have recorded that one. But, um, yeah, so my heart is is here. Victoria, Nashville? Um, yeah, well, certainly in terms of performance, um radio opportunities you know realistically speaking there is more wealth of christian radio stations um it's a huge market in america christian music is actually the biggest genre of music in the states Mm. you know it is kind of the competition side of things oh i'd love to stay in ireland but um there is huge opportunity in the states with this genre obviously it's the biggest genre over there scott McKeown, victoria johnston thank you both for joining us this evening on The Leap of Faith. Thank you so Thanks, much. Michael. And that's our Leap of Faith for this week and indeed for this season. We look forward to being back with you later in the year. A special thank you to you and indeed to our contributors who've often joined us remotely from their homes. Our producer is Sheila O'Callaghan. Our broadcast coordinator is Jarlath Holland and Kieran Dunn and Sheila Neville were on sound. From them and me, Michael Cummins. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>